WGN Radio's daily conversation about the life of business and the business of life. This is the opening bell with Steve Grzanich on 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome back to the program. New research from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business finds that entrepreneurs who resist pressure to follow the leader are more likely to stay in a market, receive funding, and eventually go public. The research recently appeared in Administrative Science Quarterly. Chicago Booth Associate Professor of Organizations and Strategy, Elizabeth Ponticus, is one of the lead researchers, and she's with us from Booth. Professor, welcome to the opening bell. So the idea here is what, that entrepreneurs and investors should resist the temptation to follow the herd? Well, really what is behind um, the effect that we find is that the entrepreneurs that go against the consensus put more thought and scrutiny into exactly what they're doing. And we think that's the mechanism that um, makes them more successful. So um, what ends up happening is people who follow the crowd um, – what we say is they overweight the potential of the market. So if you look at a market and you think, oh, wow, that's a hot market. It's so easy to succeed there. We're going to go there. Um, It seems as if you can just go into that market and be successful regardless of what you actually do. Whereas the non-consensus entrepreneurs are forced to think a lot more about what we call product market fit. So does the product I have or the technology behind the product or any capability of the company, does that fit well with what people are looking for, with what the demand is in that market? And that's really, really important to success. And the consensus entrepreneurs, because they're focused so much on the market, they tend to focus less on that key uh, piece of product market fit. So our teachers were right when they told us that if you do your homework and do it well, you'll succeed. These uh, entrepreneurs who are not following that consensus are doing a little bit more homework. Is that a fair way to describe it? That's exactly the way to describe it. There is no substitute for thinking for yourself. And if you could give us, is there a real world example of this that you can point us in? Yeah, well, there's a few examples that we got from our interviews in the paper. So um, what happens a lot, which people have probably seen, let's say, um, like the success of Uber. So a lot of investors and um, professors like myself get a lot of people who say, oh, I'm going to be the Uber of this market or the Uber of that market. And um, there's a lot of people who are rushing into this market because it's seen as being hot without really thinking about – do I have what it takes to compete against all of these other companies that are coming in? And so we've seen a lot of um, companies that are rushing in and failing. An example of a non-consensus entrepreneur um, would be, let's say, the online grocery market. So some people might remember Webvan from 2002, and they were supposed to be this huge success, and they were really a spectacular failure. Um, and they built huge uh, warehouses for online grocery. And since then, People have been really shy to get into the online grocery market, even though if you look at um, a lot of aspects of it, it really is a promising market. And what we've seen recently with um, companies like Instacart and uh, like Amazon Fresh um, is that entrepreneurs are starting to get back in, thinking about what Webvan did wrong, how could they address that, and really tap into what is a market with high potential if it's done right. 
It's interesting that you bring up the Uber uh, reference because in interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs and business types, I get that a lot where they say, well, we're going to be the Uber of this, or they try to describe their effort as we're going to be the of this. And and I immediately think, I hope you're not telling that to, you know, venture capitalists when you're selling them because I really don't think we need another Uber. Is it sort of a failed thinking from the very beginning? Yes. And, you know, I um, I referenced Peter Thiel in his recent book, Zero to One, talks about this a lot, too, where he says um, the next Jeff Bezos won't create Amazon. And so what you have is if you're a Me Too entrepreneur and you're doing something that someone else did, that's not where the big gains are to be had. The big gains are to be had in something that we haven't thought of already or something that maybe hasn't been done well already, as the example of the online grocery market. So what ends up happening, entrepreneurship, it's become a little faddish in some ways. And what you have is entrepreneurs who are trying to come in and do something that's low risk. And so they say, oh, this market was hot, so I'm going to come do the same thing, and I'm going to become like Uber. And the reality is that entrepreneurship is inherently high risk. So you can't just come into a market and take it over and get everything that Uber got precisely because Uber is already there. So let's say you're an entrepreneur who wants to create a search engine. Well, you might be able to create a search engine. Let's say you could do one that's better than Google. That's already a a high bar. Well, even if you did that, Google's already there. So where are the gains? Where are the rewards in that strategy? The real strategy is to do something different that people haven't seen before and be successful in that. And when you couple those two together, that becomes a very risky proposition. There's almost a real difference between the term entrepreneur and innovator, because the word innovator suggests that it's going to be something new and something that we haven't seen before. It's an innovation. And entrepreneur seems like, well, I'm just doing this to make a little bit of money. Is that a fair way to describe it? I think that is. And, and so what would your advice be, based on your research then, to somebody who's thinking about getting into one market or another with a product or idea? Well, first it would be, um, to your last point, it's not necessarily terrible to try to get into a market as a Me Too entrepreneur, but you do need to distinguish that you are not doing what you're calling the innovator. So if you want to be an entrepreneur that's more in our idea of what an entrepreneur is, creating something really new, that that is not going to be the strategy that works. So back to my initial point would be, if you are an entrepreneur and you have a new idea, a new product, what you need to do is think carefully about exactly what that product does and how it can help people and do your own research about where the demand is, first of all. And secondly, can you create demand? Can you put this product out there and have people understand what it does and all of a sudden want that product when they haven't wanted it before? So there are two things there. And that thought process of scrutiny and really critical thought about what you do and what people want is is imperative to the entrepreneurial process. And these shortcuts that people take saying, oh, there's a hot market, I'm going to just jump in there, is not the path to success. Are there some potential negatives, though, to being the non-consensus entrepreneur, specifically if you think you've done all of your homework, maybe you've done too much homework, and you're maybe thinking you're alone in an area of thinking or that you don't have all of the input? Can you, Can this sort of cave in on you? 
Absolutely. And that's the risky side of it. Anything that has high rewards also has a high potential for loss. And what we have sometimes is people trying to avoid the loss but get the high rewards, and that's just an impossible um, thing to pursue. So what we have in a lot of cases, the entrepreneur who goes non-consensus can be wrong. Um, one example is Webvan, where we said they, they failed in the online grocery market. A better example is the Segway. Do you remember how uh, – transformative the segue was supposed to be it was, it was we were all going to be, be riding around the future yeah yeah it was going to be the internet we were all going to be riding around on segways well the segway is still around but it's really policemen and tour guides that use the segways um so it hasn't been the big success that they expected it to be um and there's no way of predicting the future what entrepreneurs need to do is go out give it their best shot and be willing to accept that um in order to shoot for the stars you may have uh you have to entertain failure as well and when we talk about failure, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, isn't necessarily failure for a company like Segway. I mean, they're doing well, not like you said to the stars, but still you may have to settle for something that's not the stars. That's true. And so it's not a true failure, but um, there are investors that took a loss on that because they were expecting it. They were valuing it uh, higher than it was. And so for them, they might consider that a failure. Do you find that this is a prickly point or in your research, have you found that this is a prickly point among venture capitalists who have money getting ready to invest and they hear these pitches with people being the consensus entrepreneurs? Absolutely. So in our research, we find that venture capitalists do the same thing. They rush into these hot categories. But in every interview we conducted, venture capitalists would lament both other VCs do, engaging in this behavior and entrepreneurs doing this. One venture capitalist told me that um, they heard a pitch for someone to be the Coursera for the gardener. And the, this venture capitalist was saying, I, I don't know what that means. And so this kind of thing, when you're saying, I want to be the Uber for this market, they hear all the time. And frankly, it gets pretty boring for them. There's also sort of an echo chamber, too, in this world, too, where you don't go out and solicit those voices that you may not hear in, in, as you put together your product or whatever your, your line is going to be. That, is that another danger that, we're, that we don't find enough unique voices out there in the wild? Absolutely. So what will happen here where these markets are seen as hot is that um, once the conversation, the buzz gets going, one key part of our model is that the assessment is exaggerated. So people think it is hotter, that the market is hotter than it actually is, or that it is um, more difficult than it actually is. And what contributes to that is that everyone's talking and reinforcing in this echo chamber, and people who have dissenting voices often opt not to say anything rather than to get involved in maybe an argument about it. Um, another interview we conducted, the person said, well, we haven't chosen to invest in this area that we, we just don't think is, is valuable. And they said, I'm constantly engaged in conversations about why we haven't invested, why we don't see the potential. Well, it's a very interesting uh, uh, research, and it's good of you to take time out. And we uh, look forward to speaking with you again about some of this. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Chicago Booth Associate Professor of Organizations and Strategy, Elizabeth Ponticus, with us this morning on the opening bell. Every day. It's Chicago News First at the top of every hour. The Chicago Conversation. I'm Steve Bertrand in the WGN Newsroom. News, traffic, weather, sports. Now WGN Sports. Never miss a story on Chicago's very own 720 WGN.